Here we go. You're listening to Rumination Tuesday, Law and Gospel. And as is our custom on Tuesdays, we take a look at a hymn that is assigned for this coming Sunday, the seventh Sunday after Pentecost. And this one is entitled, Jesus, Priceless Treasure. of Jesus Priceless Treasure by one of the great organizations in our synod, Higher Things. Jesus Priceless Treasure. The author was Johann Frank, died in 1677. He was a German poet. He was a lawyer, and he wrote this hymn. It was toward the end of the Thirty Years' War, even his own hometown, Gubert, suffered at the hands of troops who invaded the city. And in face of devastation, Frank knew that the true joy could be found only in Jesus. In fact, this hymn is based on a secular love song by Christoph Galdenbach, died in 1698. And Frank used the same poetic meter and the song's first two lines that he translated into Jesus, my priceless treasure, my joy, my heart's pasture. Except for slight similarities to the secular model at certain points, the rest of the hymn is entirely new. The hymn became popular among Lutherans and spread quickly within and outside of Germany. Of course, we are well acquainted with the translator, and that is Catherine Winkworth. She included that. She died in 1878, but included it in her chorale book for England that she put together in 1863. As the fabric of English-speaking Lutheranism it is typical of her work 
in that it is marked by highly romantic, poetic imagery that sometimes diverges from the textual depth of the German original. For example, the German text of the first stanza reads in English, Jesus, my joy, my heart's pasture. Winkworth rendered it as Jesus, priceless treasure, source of purest pleasure, which is quite a bit more sensual than the original German. So what has got Pastor Mark Smith to say about this hymn? I think Catherine Winkworth uh, rendered an, a, a great improvement. I like her opening line much better. Yes. Uh, anybody, anybody that speaks of Jesus as the, as the priceless treasure, they have their priorities. And as you read on in this hymn, uh, it really uh, states the priorities of us Christians. Jesus is indeed our priceless treasure. Everything else fades fades into uh, the background compared to him. The opening line, priceless treasure, shows that there is no amount of money you have that you can buy him. That's right. He's priceless. He's a gift. He's a, so, he's a priceless gift. That's, that's good. That's good. Because that shows law and gospel that nothing we can do gets Jesus on our side, but everything he does he gets on our side. So, without further ado, there are six stanzas. Would you go ahead with stanza one? Okay. Jesus, priceless treasure, fount of purest pleasure, truest friend to me. Ah, how long in anguish shall my spirit languish, yearning, Lord, for thee. Thou art mine, O Lamb divine. I will suffer not to hide thee, not I ask beside thee. And the word not is just a way of saying what word? Nothing. Nothing. And, and, uh, that last line, it's, it's a little confusing because it sounds at first like he's saying, well, I will, I will suffer nothing to hide thee. What he's saying is, I will permit, suffer there means permit, I will permit nothing to hide thee and nothing I ask beside thee. I, I, I need nothing other than thee, Jesus. Yes, what's really good about hymnody are, are the metaphors that are used. I mean, you hit the first one, that he's a treasure. Then she goes into being a fount of purest pleasure. Then truest friend to me. These metaphors are very, very important, and you can do whole sermons on what a metaphor really means, that Jesus is priceless, nothing you can do to buy him, that he's the fount of purest pleasure. What does that remind you of? Baptism. Exactly. And he's truest friend to me. All right, I'll read stanza two. In thine arms I rest me, foes who would molest me cannot reach me here. Though the earth be shaking, every heart be quaking, Jesus calms my fear. Lightnings flash and thunders crash, yet though sin and hell assail me, 
Jesus will not fail me. What text does that remind you of? Well, I'll tell you what it reminds me of, Tom. It it reminds me, uh, well, uh, in thine arms I rest me. (laughs) Believe it or not, that reminds me of that little bedtime prayer, now I lay me down to sleep. Uh, But where it says, uh, it says, though the earth be shaking, every heart be quaking, Jesus calms my fear. That reminds me of of what we say uh, after the sermon is completed, now may this peace which surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know, the peace that surpasses all understanding is what is described in those lines. Even though the earth be shaking, even though every heart be quaking, even though the world is tumbling down around us, we have that peace that surpasses all understanding. Now, what was that prayer you were talking about? Uh, Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Yes, I change it. I change that when I pray it. Okay. Now I lay me down to sleep. I know the Lord my soul will keep. Though I would die before I wake, I know the Lord my soul will take. Good. That's that's good. Those are good changes. Yes. Now, the text I was thinking of, in thine arms I rest me. What was in the arms of Jesus? In it's a parable. Oh, uh, would that be the parable of the prodigal son welcomed back into his father's arms? Uh, it could be. It's or or the, the, oh, the lost lamb, the lost the sheep. The lost sheep. Yes. Yeah. In thy arms I rest thee. And his foes, because they're wolves out, uh, they cannot reach me there. Right. And though everything is. And so we get another metaphor that we're kind of like lost sheep, but when we're in the arms of Jesus. Now, how are we in the arms of Jesus? Well, he brings us into his arms through holy baptism. Yep. And he continues, he continues to comfort us in those arms by his word, his gospel, and his sacrament. And so it's through faith that right. we have these assurances. Yeah. Well said. All right. Stanza three. This is a great verse. Satan, I defy thee. Death, I now decry thee. Fear, I bid thee cease. World, thou shalt not harm me, nor thy threats alarm me, while I sing of peace. God's great power guards every hour. Earth and all its depths adore him. Silent bow before him. What a great verse. Now, explain how that hymn can be sung this coming Sunday when from Mark 6 we have the episode of the beheading of John the Baptist. Well, yeah, John the Baptist, you know, he was uh, he was still preaching to Herod even yep. when he was imprisoned. Uh, and uh, he knew, as, as he said about Jesus, I must decrease while he increases. Uh, John, John the Baptist must have known what his end might become when he was imprisoned. And he knew that uh, Herodias, uh, Herod's wife, was out to get him. 
Yes, yeah, uh, she he hated knew his, him. He, he knew his days were numbered, and yet, and yet, as it says, death, death, I decry thee. And also the world, thou shalt not harm us or right. harm me. Well, if he was beheaded, isn't the world harming him? Uh, he, the world can can rant and rave, but nobody, you know, it's like Jesus says, nobody, can, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Romans eight twenty eight, nothing, not not death, nor anything in all creation shall ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So in that sense, yeah, they may take our life. They'll take they'll take the our life, goods, fame, child, and wife, as we sing in Luther's hymn. Let these yep. all be gone. They still have nothing won. The kingdom ours remaineth. That's the main point. You're still in the kingdom, and right. that's why the world cannot harm us. All right. right, I'll do stanza four. Hence, all earthly treasure, Jesus is my pleasure. Jesus is my choice. Hence, all empty glory, not to me thy story, told with tempting voice, pain or loss or shame or cross, shall not from my Savior move me, since he deigns to love me. Now, how do you explain Jesus is my choice? Well, you've got all these other choices, the earthly treasure, uh, and yet Jesus is still my pleasure. All the empty glory, nothing to me thy story. In other words, the story of all empty glory means nothing to me. Even though it be told with tempting voice, nothing can, pain or loss or shame or cross, nothing, none of those things shall from my Savior move me. He is number one, and there, there's nothing that can sway, me, uh, can sway me from my Savior. How do you get around the view that others have that you become a Christian by choice? Oh, I see. Uh, well, uh, no. God, in fact, he tells us in his word that I have actually chosen you. Once he has made that choice, though, once he has made that choice of us and brought us to saving faith, uh, we, we realize, uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we realize what a priceless treasure he is. And uh, the, God, the Holy Spirit, moves us to make uh, appropriate choices. That's well said. That's well said. In fact, what you're talking about is we make no choice in the area of justification, but in the area of sanctification, we can decide to follow God's will, our own will, the devil's will, the world's will, and in in Christ we do not do that. Yeah, and even when we make even when we make poor choices, we repent and and we're always welcomed back and forgiven. Yes, and that's where you can bring in the prodigal son right remember he came back to try and manipulate the father that's and right the father jumped in and instead welcomed him back and gave him not only pair of sandals not only his ring but the best garment which would have been the father's garment that's why we wear vestments to remind people that they also have on the robe of righteousness. Absolutely.
All right. Would you go ahead with number five? Evil world, I leave thee. Thou canst not deceive me. Thine appeal is vain. Sin that once did blind me, get thee far behind me. Come not forth again. Past thy hour, O pride and power, sinful life, thy bonds I sever. Leave me now forever. Now that reminds me of another passage in the Bible where yeah. somebody was deceived. Yeah, right. That's uh, uh, Jesus saying to, to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Is that what you're thinking of? No, although that would be another example. Yeah. But who actually says that deception had taken place? Remember in the Garden of Eden? Oh, oh, oh yes, of course. Uh, where uh, God confronts Adam and Eve. Eve. And Adam and Eve. And uh, What does Eve say? Oh, Eve says, the, the serpent whom you made, he, he deceived me, and I yes. did eat. Right. Now, whether or not the author had that deception in mind, in reality, every time we do a sin, it is a deception against God. It's a breaking of the first commandment. And what does it mean to be deceived? Hoodwinked. Um, yes. It's like like when, uh, well, we talk about in marketing, bait and switch, you know, where they, they change the rules. Boy. They offer or you they one, they, they advertise one thing, and when you come to buy it, it's no longer there. But here, we've got this, perhaps of lesser value. Yes. Yeah, uh, advertising does a lot of that, that. If you use a certain band deodorant, you'll find yourself playing on a beach volleyball. This kind of stuff. Yeah. That's an interesting illustration, Tom. <laughs> well, I got a better one. It's not true that when you buy a Corvette, a blonde comes with it. No, that is true. That is not true. <laughs> In fact, From, in fact, uh, even if you drive a Corvette, they, the blondes still don't come by. <laughs> yeah. But notice that the verse says, I was deceived because something blinded me. Let's see. Uh, evil world, I leave thee. Thou canst not deceive me. Thine appeal is vain. All that. You can't you can't fool me again. No, no, keep going. Don't stop there. Sin that once did blind me. Sin sin yeah, blinded me. That's the point I'm trying to make. Mm -hmm. When you're a sinner, you're blinded to reality. Yeah. And that's why we're trying to get people to become faithful Christians because then they they look at the world through a different set of lenses. Right. Another metaphor that's really important, that uh, therefore non-Christians, when a good friend dies, their lens, boy, that's a terrible lens, because they think, well, at the end, there's nothing, I go out of existence. In contrast to the lenses through which a Christian 
sees that they will see their loved ones again as they were Christians. And so the lenses you have on make a huge difference as to whether you can see God's power and his reality. And who All gives us those lenses by the, but the Holy Spirit, right? That's right, and they're called faith. Yeah. All right, stanza six. Hence all fear and sadness, for the Lord of gladness, Jesus, enters in. Those who love the Father, though the storms may gather, still have peace within. Yea, whate'er I hear must bear, thou art still my purest tre pleasure, Jesus' priceless treasure. She really knows how to translate, doesn't she? I'll tell you what, this Catherine Winkworth, what a marvelous woman she was. Wouldn't you like to meet her someday in heaven? I'm going to meet her. Yeah. I tell you, she just has a real way. You know, you think of all the hymns she translated. It's amazing what she accomplished. Yes. What yes. a wonderful Christian lady. Yeah, and, and what I was reading uh, about her... There's no doubt that it says that she used highly romantic poet, poetic imagery and that really, although it diverged from the German original a lot of times, it really makes a difference even in singing. Wor words make a difference. Oh, no doubt about that. Words have meaning. They sure do, yes. So... Though storms may gather around us, we still have peace within. So what kind of peace do we have if storms are gathering around us? It's like I said before, that's the peace that surpasses all understanding. Even, even though everything is surrounding us is bad, uh, even though the, our world is collapsing all around us, we still have the peace uh, of Jesus Christ the peace that only he can give. The world can never give. Yes. Um, when you say that peace surpasses all understanding, some people may get the opinion that that peace you're talking about, I can't understand it, and therefore I don't feel it, I don't have it. That's not what that's saying, is it? No. No, it surpasses all reason. That's right. what it's there meant you go. by that. Yeah, that's that right. Make... Good point. Excellent point. Because how are we going to understand that we spit in the face of Jesus even after we are a Christian, every sin we do? And yet, guess what? He, he still loves us. He still loves us. So the peace we have, it's said throughout the life of Jesus, starting with the shepherds hearing it from the angels, uh, all the way to... Jesus talking to the disciples on the night of the resurrection. What's the first word he says? Peace be with you. Yes. And that means that the dividing wall of hostility that we have erected through our sins is now broken down by That's the cross right. of Christ. Yeah, he so said to the disciples, I, I go to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Right. We're reconciled. And what I also love about that last uh, verse is the direction of salvation. 
it says, hence all fear and sadness. Okay, we have that. But for the Lord of gladness, Jesus enters in. In other words, the process is his, him coming to us, not our coming to him. But he's taken the initiative. And yes. we don't even meet him halfway. He meets us all the way and takes yep. us all the way. Last week I preached, Paul says, I was given a thorn in the flesh. Uh, Satan was sent. And I made the point that God sometimes uses Satan to accomplish his deeds, as he did with Job. But with Paul, why did he get a thorn in the flesh? You recall that? Yes, because he was shown all these heavenly revelations. Yes. He was lifted up to the third heaven, and he saw things that he he felt he couldn't even utter or he couldn't even talk about. But uh, lest he become too conceited and exactly. elated, uh, he was sent this uh, messenger from Satan uh, to, to buffet him, to harass him, and to keep him humble. Yes, and so we need to realize that even what Satan does to us in causing suffering, etc., God has a purpose, and Satan is unaware of it, but God even uses Satan to accomplish his purposes. That's right. All right, well, thank you very much for being with us to hear Jesus' priceless treasure on tomorrow's Law and Gospel. We're going to have one more segment on that uh, book I just put out, Old Testament Prophecies that are fulfilled in the New Testament. Last week, we looked at the book of Isaiah. Tomorrow, we're going to look at the Psalms. How many of the Psalms have direct prophecies? Till then, Tom Baker, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.